I want to talk to you tonight, preach out of Psalm 95. Undoubtedly, this is what God wants to say to a number of people tonight out of Psalm chapter 95, verse 6. And it says this, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For He is our God, we are the people of His pasture, the sheep of His hand. Today, if you will hear His voice. Okay. Today, this week, this weekend, if you'll hear His voice. Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, as in the day of trial in the wilderness. When your fathers tested me, they tried me, though they saw my work. For 40 years I was grieved with that generation. I said, it's a people who go astray in their hearts. They don't know my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. David's writing a psalm referring to a, a moment in Israel's history where they were, had been delivered out of Egypt and they'd come uh, out of slavery through 10 amazing miracles. Then they'd, they'd come through the Red Sea, incredible miracle. And then the Red Sea had closed up, another incredible miracle. And, and God was leading them to their promised land. And so his reference point is, guys, uh, there was a moment in the wilderness when our fathers were tested and, and, and they, they didn't pass the test. So don't be like that. I love, what, I love what, how the message puts it. Drop everything and listen. Listen as he speaks. Don't turn a deaf ear as in the bitter uprising. is a particular moment which we'll talk about. As on the day of the wilderness test, when your ancestors turned and put me to the test. Turn to your neighbor and say, the wilderness test. All right, turn to your second favorite neighbor, the one you turned away from, and say, the wilderness test. You know it. <laughs> All right, this is the title of my message tonight, the wilderness test. The wilderness test. Before you enter into your promised land, there is almost always some kind of wilderness test. Before you uh, come into the fulfillment of God's promises or His purposes in your life, there will almost inevitably be a testing and a, a season that you go through. We'll track it through the Bible in a moment, but I want to give you a, a picture right from the outset of, of a wilderness test. This is what a wilderness test is. This is my words. A wilderness test is a God-ordained season you go through to prepare you for His purpose and his promises. All right, you can say that with me again. Let's read that out together. A wilderness test is a God-ordained season that you go through to prepare you for his purpose and his promises. All right. You track through the Bible. Most of the heroes of the Bible went through some sort of wilderness test, a season where God seemed distant. A season where they felt overlooked, forgotten. A season where they were being tested and going through the fire of refinement. A season where God seemed a long way away and they were forgotten. Moses spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness, being prepared to lead the children of Israel for the next 40 years in that same wilderness. He was being prepared for 40 years. Joseph spent seven years as a slave in Potiphar's house, then another seven years in prison while he was waiting for his divine purpose and dream to come to pass. King David had two distinct wilderness seasons. 
one as a shepherd for his father. He was out the back looking after the sheep of his father, forgotten, and, and before he came into his own and was anointed by Samuel. Then in another moment, he was fleeing and hiding from King Saul, his father-in-law. Now, I've heard of tough mother-in-laws, but that's a, that's a tough father-in-law. And he was hiding from him in the Judean desert, waiting for the moment that when he was anointed to be the king, he was waiting for that moment to come, but it was his wilderness test. Jesus went through a wilderness test. Matthew chapter 4 verse 1 says, Then Jesus was led by, up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. You're like, hang on a minute, if I'm being tempted by the devil, wouldn't that be the devil who led me there? Now, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the Judean desert, which is what, that's the Judean desert. That's what it looks like. Hills, arid, no trees, no water, caves, the whole thing. Jesus was led into the wilderness. As part of his testing and temptation, so that he could move into the purpose of God for his life. The wilderness test. So don't be surprised when you find yourself in a wilderness season. It's usually because God's got a call and purpose for your life. In fact, everyone in this room, God has a call and purpose for your life. And, and I can just say without a shadow of doubt, it will not be fulfilled without some kind of wilderness test or a series of wilderness tests. A wilderness test is a God-ordained season you go through to prepare you for his purpose and his promises. Now, sometimes God leads you into that wilderness and you're, you're like, am I in the will of God? Everything seems to be going wrong. Well, no, the Holy Spirit can lead you into a wilderness season and there's a wilderness test. And you can't actually progress until God says you passed the test and I'll move you into the next season. That's scary, isn't it? Other times we find ourselves in a self-imposed wilderness. We did something stupid and we got into the wilderness. We, we, we sinned badly and we took a wrong turn. And like Jonah, we're running from God. That's not a God-ordained wilderness test. That's a stupidity wilderness moment. And you can repent and get back off that track pretty quickly out of the wilderness, all right? That's good news. And then sometimes, and I need to be clear here tonight, that we go through a season in our life that's not a wilderness test, Maybe it's a season where we're grieving because of pain and loss. Maybe we're in a season of healing from, from terrible things that have happened to us in our past. And God pulls us aside and says, this is a healing season for you. Not a wilderness test. It's a healing season. And don't mistake the two. And if you're in a healing season, a grieving season, a season where God's ministering to you, tonight's message is not primarily for you. The atmosphere of worship and the love and presence of God is here for you to minister to you so you feel loved and you can continue to find God as a refuge for you in your difficult season. For others, you're in the wilderness test, in the will of God. For others, you're stuck in the wilderness test and you're supposed to have got out and tonight I'm going to help you realize how. For others, you're in a season that's absolutely delightful and it's your promised land and you're like, you've either had one in the past or you've got one coming, so just file this away, okay? File this away, all right. A wilderness test. Let's, let's give you some marks of a wilderness test. 
What's a few indicators that you're in the wilderness, that, that God's led you into the wilderness, or you, you find yourself into the wilderness? Who would like to know tonight? Who just wants to put your head in the sand and pretend this is all a bad dream right now? Come on. No, 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 no. Number one, mark of being in a wilderness test. One of these you might relate to, or all of these you might relate to. But number one is this, you feel forgotten and overlooked. Forgotten and overlooked. Forgotten by God. Forgotten by family, by friends, by leaders, by church. Or overlooked by all of the above. 2 Chronicles chapter 32 says this, verse 31, regarding the ambassadors of the princes of Babylon whom they sent to him to inquire about the wonder that was done in the land, God withdrew from him in order to test him that he might know all that was in his heart. Sometimes in a God-ordained season that is a test for preparation, God actually takes a step back and he, he doesn't just feel, it's, he, he's not distant because you're sinning. He's distant because he's wanting to see what's in your heart. How is your heart going to respond when you sense the distance of God? There are other moments and, uh, where you feel overlooked. David would be a classic in his wilderness season. I mean, David's down looking after his dad's sheep down the back paddock or somewhere in the Judean deserts. There's green areas, obviously. And he's down there. The, the, the uh, prophet Samuel comes to anoint the next king. They don't know why he's come. He just comes. Yeah. And all of the brothers, except for David, get invited to the table for this great feast with Samuel. It's a, a moment of great honor. And Samuel says, The Lord's not chosen any of these. Are, there, are these all the sons you have? Wow. Talking about forgotten. Oh, yeah, there's one more. Sorry about that. He's down the back watching the sheep and goats. We won't eat until he arrives. He's been forgotten. In his wilderness season, David was forgotten and overlooked. You'll find that Joseph was forgotten and about and overlooked. He served for seven years in Potiphar's house and then another seven years in the prison. And here's one moment where he interprets the dream of the baker and the wine tester and he's like, surely this is my moment, I'm going to get out. Remember me when you go back. And the Bible tells us Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. Great. You know who your friends are, right? I remember a season for Danielle and I in our lives, a wilderness season. And it's poss- here's the thing, it's possible to be enjoying a whole lot of good th- things in one part of your life, but it'd be in a wilderness season in another. And we're in a season where God led us to kind of step back for a season out of the active leadership of our church. And I've talked about this for a while. And the, the result of us stepping back from the active leadership of our church meant that we weren't going to leadership meetings anymore. We weren't going to leaders' prayer meetings. We weren't, we weren't going to a whole lot of things. It was no one's fault except us. We isolated ourselves more than we should have. But in this particular season, and this happens when you step out of ministry, you move churches, you change contexts, uh, what, what happens is is suddenly your context for relationship was the meeting and the focus and the mission. And you feel like your friendships were all genuine, and they were, but they were really involved around a mission. And so when you take a step out of that mission, you realize you're no longer meeting as much with those people and you feel isolated. 
And feeling isolated and forgotten about is often. And so for us, this triggered in me uh, massive feelings of rejection. It, it brought up things in my own heart and my life. There was a moment where Danielle and I looked at each other and said, well, no one really cares about us in this church now that we're not leaders. Maybe we'll just move on. Maybe, and here we got maybe God's leading us to move on. But God never, lead, God never uses your feelings that are negative to guide your steps. That's not how God works. He doesn't, he doesn't, so, so anyway, I'll get to what we did, but it was a, it was a season where God was needing to do some heart work in me and my identity and my confidence and my security as a son, not just because I was a servant in the house. So this will be a season, you know you're in the wilderness test, you'll feel forgotten and overlooked. I won't ask you to put your hands up. I won't even ask you to turn to your neighbor. I'll just ask you to reflect on that. Another thing that will happen in a wilderness test is increased temptation. Joseph's serving Potiphar, and his wife comes at him strong. It was a, it was a sexual temptation. When, when you're in a wilderness test and God seems a mile away, there's a testing around your purity. There's a, a testing that comes around your motive. Something, something's happening in the spirit realm. People can sense it. There'll be, a, there'll be a temptation to make things happen in your own strength. Abraham's being tested for 25 years before the promised child comes. And along the way, he's like, well, it's not working with her. We'll, we'll do it with her. I'll, I'll make this work in my own strength. That, that's, that got him into a lot of trouble. Can't believe his wife agreed to it. But anyway, that's another area. Moses, you're the deliverer. You're the deliverer. And so what does he do? I'm the deliverer. He goes and he kills a, an Egyptian soldier trying to force God's promise to come to pass. But he hadn't yet been, he'd been in preparation in the palace, but he hadn't yet been through his wilderness season. He's testing. A season that'll go like this. There'll be, there'll be moments. Jesus was tested like this. The de- his, look at this, Matthew 4, verse 8 to 10. The devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. This is Jesus' wilderness test, one of the three. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Now, here's the thing. Jesus was destined to get all the kingdom of the world in the splendor. He'd come to earth to take it back off the devil. It was part of God's long-term plan for him. But the devil comes and his temptation is not that you don't fulfill God's long-term plan. It's that you take a shortcut that's not God's plan for you to make the dream of God come to pass in you. You try and make it happen. You try and get ahead of God. I remember, again, similar kind of season, wilderness season in my life where, where God had called me to be involved in running my parents' business and, and a family trust. And in that season, uh, I, I was, had ministry in my heart and I wanted to serve God. And so I made a decision like, well, surely if God wants to bless this business and I just sort of leave it to itself and go and volunteer uh, at church and in Teen Challenge and help, help in a range of different areas, God's going to bless this business. I, I had a God dream in my heart, but it wasn't what God wanted me to do in that season. I was trying to force a call of God in my life outside of the timing of God. Because the timing of God is what do you find in your hand? A business, okay? We'll do it to the Lord with all your might. 
And so in that season, then God taught me so much about leadership, about faith, about people, about, all, about multitasking, about all sorts of different things. That was my wilderness test that was part of my preparation. And after a while, when the business was losing so much money, I realized, hmm, maybe I'm not called to be in ministry in this season. Maybe I need to lay that down and step into what God's got for me now. Why? Because I was tempted to fast track. The third thing, these are just three of a number, but this, this, will, be, uh, this will resonate with some. Maybe uh, it's attack and or lack. You're in a wilderness test and there's attack and or lack. The Israelites ran out of water. Uh, they were in their wilderness. God had done all these miracles and then they ran out of water and then they ran out of food. They were attacked by the Amalekites. They, they literally come under a physical attack. Abraham, he was attacked by barrenness. He was winning with the wealth yeah. journey. He was loaded with money, but he was being tested in his faith around having a child. Yeah. David was attacked by lions and bears. Lions and bears. He's looking after sheep and he's getting attacked by lions and bears and the sheep are getting attacked by them. Eventually, he's attacked by his father-in-law. He, he, so the fact that, I love this statement, and it's often true, if you're under attack, you're often on the right track. If you're under it, I want to say to somebody in this room today, if you are under attack, you're probably on the right track. Sometimes the attack is physical. Maybe it's a, a health thing. Maybe it's a family thing. Maybe it's a financial thing. Maybe it's your business. Maybe, maybe it's your career. Maybe you feel like in your career, Saul was literally throwing javelins at David in his workplace. Maybe you've got a boss who, who's throwing emotional javelins at you. And you're like, get me out of here. This is, I, sh I, shouldn't put I shouldn't be. Now, if there's abuse, get out of there. Okay, I'm not talking about genuine abuse. But if it's just a harsh kind of environment where you're not getting a lot of gratitude and a lot of thanks, sometimes God positions us right there as part of your wilderness test. Because he's doing something in your heart. Maybe it's a, your attack on your confidence. Maybe it's an attack on your, your emotional well-being. Maybe it's an anxiety attack that comes against you. A heaviness that's come upon you. If you're under attack, often you're on the right track. Three things that give you an indication. This is what the Bible says about Joseph. They sent someone to Egypt ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. Remember, he'd had the dreams about his brothers bowing down to him. He'd had the promise from God about ruling and reigning and the, all this stuff bowing down. Go, go to the next part, verse 18. Set a man before them, Joseph sold as a slave. Verse 18 says, They bruised his feet with shackles. His neck was put in iron. Quite a... Quite a Test, you'd probably say. Till what he foretold came to pass, they did that, till the word of the Lord proved him true. The uh, NLT says like this, until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. Until the time came to pass, the Lord tested his character. James chapter 1 verse 2, who's getting happy here tonight? Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. We're on the message. Have we got that in the message? We did. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. 
Don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. Oh, I feel the Holy Spirit starting to bring the conviction of God. Don't try and get out of the pressure. Pressure is not necessarily bad. The refiner's fire is not necessarily attractive when you're there. But that's how God is proving, refining, and preparing His people. So if there's some signs that you're in a wilderness test, well, what does God want to develop for you while you're in the test? Who would like to know? Who wants to get out of here? Who wants to like, okay, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I'm glad you asked. Three things. David epitomizes these things. That's why God continued to promote him to his promise and his purpose. The first thing was that he, he became a worshiper. I loved hearing your story tonight, Chris and Beck. Absolutely loved it. Part of God's uh, defining and refining and, and purpose for you and then ministry to so many others. But see, when you're in the wilderness, this is, what God, this is who God wants to make you in the wilderness. Not, not what does he want to do for you. Who does he want to make you? Who's he trying to make you into in the wilderness? What's he doing in your heart? He wants to make you into a worshiper. See, this, this psalm we started with, Psalm 95, in the day of your testing, in the day of your trial, don't be like the ones back in Meribah. So there was a season where after all the miracles, 10 miracles to get out of Egypt, then the Egyptians gave them all their gold and silver. Then they escaped. Then the Red Sea opened up. They walked through it. Then the Red Sea closed. They walked through it. Who thinks by this time you're probably pretty confident God's got a bit of an idea what he should be doing right now? All right, you would think so. But they developed a mindset of slavery, of complaining, of grumbling. And so they get to a place that the Bible calls a place of testing where they've got no water and they're thirsty. Okay, so it's not like they're making it up. They don't have any water and they're actually thirsty. So very, very normal, very human things. And the community set out, and this is what it says in verse 2 of Exodus 17, they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses said, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Right. Now, okay, like, they're not making things up. The facts are they can't see water. The facts are they're thirsty. And so in this moment... It's not like the facts are unreasonable. Like they're making it up. There's a genuine pain. There's a genuine problem. But God's brought them here, showed himself miraculous and faithful moment after moment after moment. And what he's looking to develop them in them is this moment where they go, Lord, you're amazing. God, you're good. What are you doing about the water? We worship you. Just let you know we're thirsty, but we trust you. You're going to come through for us. You're, going to, you're our provider. Look what you did to that Egyptian army. Look, we worship you. So in this moment, God is looking to develop in them the heart of a worshiper. This is what God is looking to develop in you and I when we go through our wilderness test. He's not looking for you to do some worship. You're like, oh, I'd come to church and sing. No, no, he's not looking for you to be a singer. He's not even looking for you just to be in church. He's looking to you and I in our wilderness test to develop in us the heart of a worshiper. 
the heart that just says, well, things are pretty ordinary right now, but as for me and my house, we will serve and bless the Lord. Job did it. Where Job would, would come and say, and I'll get the musicians to come up, Job would come and say, though he smite me, yet will I praise him. The Lord giveth. And the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He, he sings worship in spite of his circumstance. Because God is looking to develop in you and I in spite of. Paul writes, and he's in prison in, Philipp in Philippi. He writes in this, no, he writes to the Philippians, sorry. And he says, rejoice in the Lord. And he's in chains, writing a letter. And I can see the guy who's writing, looking over at Paul and going, What? He goes, and again I say, rejoice in the Lord. He wants to develop a worship. I don't know how many of you used to sing, though the fig tree shall not blossom. Come on, who's been around more than 50 years or whatever? Anyway, it's a, it's a, it's a, a, a song that the prophet sung in Habakkuk. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there's no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the field and the, and the cattle barns are empty. Okay, we're in farming land. Uh, just bear with us, all right? Agricultural community. Yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. Yet will I. So what God's looking to develop in, in you and I is a yet will I worship God. Nothing's going right right now. Yet will I worship God. Why? Because he's good, and he's faithful, and he's kind. And I might not be able to see it in my circumstances. He wants to extract from you and I the heart of a complainer and a grumbler. He wants to take out of us the heart of a victim mindset and to create in us worshippers. You won't get out of the wilderness until God has created you. You've responded and become a worshipper. He's not just looking for you to be a worshipper. He's looking for you to be a warrior. I love this about David. When he comes to, he comes to take on Goliath, King's like, you're too small. How can you take on Goliath? And he goes, well, when I was looking after my father's flocks and uh, down the back paddock, forgotten about and overlooked, and he was a harpist, an exceptional harpist. How did that happen? Because he used to worship God. Forgotten, overlooked, out the back paddock, but he developed the heart of a worshiper. He wrote Psalms. Some as a shepherd boy and some as the king and some while he is being chased around by Saul. He wrote Psalms. Why? Because he was a worshiper. But he wasn't just a worshiper. He was a warrior. Some of my favorite Psalms. I was reading one this morning. It's Psalm chapter 18. And David's like, it's not like a pretty Psalm. It's like, I'm going to chase down my enemies. And I'm going to grind them into dust. And I'm like, oh, I love this psalm. And I, I think about demons that are harassing people and families. And I'm like, we're going to chase those things down. We're going to grind them into dust. We're going to overcome those things in the name of Jesus. Why? Because there's worship and there's also warfare. And God wants to develop in you, in your wilderness test, the ability to worship. But he wants you to, like Jesus in his wilderness test, he wants you to know how to stand and stare down the devil and say, it is written. This is what God says. I'm worshipping, but I've also got the Word of God in my mouth. It is written. You might think you've won the victory. You might think you're overcoming me, but I'm declaring over your life. This is what the Word of God says. 
Jesus wrote. One of my favorites is one of David's three mighty men. I'm going to skip over some things just for the sake of time. His name's Shammah. Bible tells us that Shammah became one of the three mighty men. And one of the stories is that he was in a lentil field, all right, a lentil field. Like, and the Philistine army came after him to take the lentil field. Now, after a 21-day Dan- Daniel fast, they can have the lentil field. As far as I'm concerned, the lentil field is all yours. Just have at it, have the veggies, have the fr- it's all yours. But this is what the Bible says about Shammah. Shammah took his stand, verse 12, in the middle of the field, and he defended it, and he struck the, Philipp- the Philistines down. And the Lord brought about a great victory. He became one of the mighty men because he, he fought for a flipping lentil patch. You're like, it's only a lentil patch. And sometimes that's the lie of the enemy. There's just, is this your father's sheep? Just one or two for the lion, one or two for the bear. Why would you take it on with your bare hands? Just, it's, it's just only some school kids in your classroom, teacher. It's just some people in your connect group that you're caring for, connect group leader. Is this some new Christians that you're following up in their walk with God? You feel forgotten, you feel overlooked. It's, it's just some patience that you're caring for. It's, it's just some people at your business and your workplace. It's just, it's, you know, it's some kids going through a rough season. And, and God says, no, I want you to worship, but I want you to learn how to be a warrior. I want you to learn how to plant your feet and say, this is not the will of God. This is not what God has determined for my children, my family, my classroom, my business, my workplace, my connect group, those new Christians I'm looking This is not what God's, it is written. He wants a warrior to emerge up out of you. It's easy to be a warrior at Powerhouse Conference. But it's when everything's going to pot. He's looking to develop you as a worshiper and a warrior. And then the third thing he's looking to develop you is as a servant. Joseph serves Potiphar, gets wrongly accused, stays in the wilderness, serves the captain of the prison, serves the baker and the wine taster, keeps serving, he keeps serving. Why? Hoping that somebody's going to get him out of there? No, he's... You're not a servant because you serve on a team. You're a servant because your heart says, I want to serve God and make people's lives better. David, David's moment to take on Goliath comes purely as a coincidence because of his servanthood. He takes cheese and bickies, come on somebody, to his brothers at the war front. He, he literally serves his father and then goes to serve his brothers. And in the process of serving his brothers, his destiny collides. Servanthood determines your destiny. Servanthood prepares you for the moment, a collision with your destiny. Jesus says, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve others, to give his life as a ransom for many. A servant, this is what I write about a servant. See, a worshiper is a hard attitude, not a circumstance. A warrior is a hard attitude, not a, not a prayer meeting. And a servant is a hard attitude. It's an outlook on life. It's not just a team that we serve on. 
A servant serves God by helping him build his church, meet the needs of others without agenda or expectation of reward or need for recognition. I'm not doing this to get noticed. I'm not doing this as a stepping stone. I'm not doing this because I, I want to be promoted. I'm doing this because I want to serve God and I want to help others. That's, that's my heart. And God will have a way of keeping you in the servant zone until your heart changes, until it gets sweet. Because ultimately, like Joseph, a, a moment of promotion can come just like that. And you go from the prison to the palace, and in that moment, God's saying, I've now made you a servant, so now I'm going to give you some authority and responsibility so you can serve Pharaoh, and so you can serve the people of Egypt, and so I can deliver people because what you learn how to be a servant. He's looking for servant-hearted, worshipping warriors. Servant-hearted, worshipping warriors. And he'll put you in the wilderness to develop in you a servant-hearted, worshipping warrior atmosphere. And he'll, he'll have you going around for a little while. And, and it's not just, so this is how it's kind of going to work. Hopefully it works with the microphone. God, I'm in the wilderness. I'm forgotten. And I'm overlooked. And I'm under attack. And, and things aren't going well. And I'm tempted to take shortcuts. And things just really suck. I think you've forgotten about me. And you go around in a circle. And when I was uh, back in the, the, the years ago, when I, okay, in the old days, I'm sounding like that preacher. And, the, uh, and I would hear a message. And it was called going around the mountain. And God will have you go around the mountain. And you'll come to the moment where you can go to the next level or that he's preparing you for and your promise. And there's a window in time. And God looks and he goes, you've been in the test. Hmm, are you a servant-hearted, worshipping warrior yet? And you get to the moment, he goes, mm, go around again. That was one year. And, and you're, you find yourself. Work's not going so good. Relationships aren't so good. But, but the, the things in my heart and the call of God doesn't seem to be happening. In fact, all the opposite things seem to be happening. And they're getting promoted. And they're having miracles. And why them, God? And what's going on over there? And you, you get around through that season. Through, and, you're, and you don't realize it. What often happens, Jesus said in that moment of Psalm 95, he said, in their moment of their trial, they put me on trial. So many people walking around in the wilderness are like, God, why aren't you? God, you should have. God, where are you? God, what are you doing? And what they don't realize is God's not on trial right now. God's not on test. His faithfulness is undeniable. His goodness is, is above reproach. God is, he's not on trial, but they put God on trial. God said, I'm not on trial. You're on trial because I'm looking for servant-hearted, worshiping warriors. I'm developing that character. And eventually you come to a moment and you're like, oh, okay, God, nothing's working, but I'm worshipping you. I'm rising early because I want to glorify your name. I thank you for your goodness to me. If nothing ever changes me, I'll worship you for the rest of my life. And you stand and say, devil, you've had your day long enough. So I'm standing against you. I, I'm shutting you down. I'm pushing back on you. Lord, who can I serve? Who can I make successful? Who can I lay my life down for? Where can I serve the purposes of God around? 
around my life. God, I worship you. Oh, I'm enjoying this life. I know it looks like crap from the outside, but on the inside, it's amazing. And I'm worshiping and I'm worried. And in that moment, God, like he says to Joseph, bam, you get to the moment. I can just see the, the angels going, Lord, how'd he go? He's been on the test. It's like the, the moment where it's promotion or go round again. How'd he go? And Jesus is sitting there smiling and looks at Josh, looks at the angels. <laughs> he said he did awesome promoting and putting forward, moving on into the next season of his life. A wilderness test is a preparation season ordained by God. Not by man. No one's trying to keep you shut down. No one's trying to stop your gift from firing. No one's trying to close you off. God is preparing you and he's preparing your heart. Let's stand to our feet right now. I feel like there's two main responses. You can take this stuff up. Thank you, guys. Two main responses. Apart from, that's a good message, awesome. Loved hearing that. I'm sure that was for somebody else. <laughs> Just file it away for future reference. Some of you have heard that tonight, and it's actually a relief to you. You're like, oh, that makes sense. I'm not out of the will of God. I'm right where God wants me. And I, I'm doing okay with that. I'm, I, I'm making the right responses. I'm making the right choices in my season. And you're like, oh, that's a relief. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And it just encourages you to keep worshiping, keep warfaring in the spirit, and, and to keep serving. Others of you are like, oh, oh, okay. Now I see what it's not so much a relief, it's a wake up. And so this is what I want us to do. We're going to open the altar. And whether you're in, the wilderness, in a wilderness test right now in a area of your life, whether that's just a relief and you're just going to come and respond and go, Lord, I am just going to worship you tonight because you're good. And if it takes years, I'm going to worship you. Or whether you're actually in the wilderness test and you need to repent and say, God, I've, I've adopted the language of complaining and grumbling. And I need to work on my heart to become a worshiper. I've, I've stopped fighting in the spirit. I need to get back on my feet and, and warfare in the spirit again as well as worship. Or, or I've just lost my servant heart. I need to get back there. What, whatever it is, we're not going to ask you. But it's time to either out of relief come and worship God or come and repent and, and then choose to worship. So we're going to open the altar right now. If that's you, you're in a wilderness season. You're in a wilderness test. Just begin to come right now. Come right now. Leaders, pastors, everybody, you're in this season. Church, while people come, let's worship.